Welcome to We Hear Her. I'm Erin Trenbeth-Murray, and I'm here today with another amazing woman who is sharing her story and insights into life lessons learned. Hi there, I'm Erin Trenbeth-Murray with the We Hear Her podcast for Women Who Succeed. Thank you for being with us today. I'm so excited to share with you our guest today, Sydney Shorter, who has an amazing background all over the country, and we're so happy she's landed in Utah. Hasn't been here very long, but already is making an impact beyond anything I have seen um, in a long time. Quite the mover and the shaker. So Sydney is an entrepreneur and fierce advocate and practitioner of diversity, equity, and inclusion. She is the CEO of Execute Now, a client-focused fa- client finance and accounting firm with the mission to ensure nonprofits and small to mid-sized organizations have affordable access to capital, prudent financial management, and forward-thinking leadership. If that wasn't enough, she is also the president and chief executive officer of the Black Chamber of Commerce and has really just awakened our community in so many ways. We're thrilled that she could be here. I want to tell you about a little bit about her as a servant leader. And in the short time that I have gotten to know Sydney, I've been so impressed with her gracious uh, demeanor and how she truly wants to serve and and support and uplift the community. As a servant leader, Sydney prioritizes relationship building and authentic engagement. An advocate for change and social entrepreneur, her career and efforts are directed towards her passion of entrepreneurs, business leaders in their pursuit of access to affordable capital and growth, progress, and just outcomes accompanying diversity, equity, and inclusion as a goal. She is one smart cookie, I'll tell you that. She holds two bachelor's degrees in general studies and theology, a master's in theology, and a doctorate in biblical psychology, and is a licensed clinical therapist. I cannot tell you um, with all of that how she would find the courage and time, but she's, you're also pursuing an MBA, if I understand correctly, at the University of Louisiana. And um, she serves on numerous boards, too many to go into. But in addition, the, one of the most interesting things that, that I ran across um, in looking at her bio is that she is a mentor executives to executives in the film industry and is an accomplished playwriter, director, and producer for community theater. And I don't know, in your spare time, what do you do? Build buildings, <laughs> no. fly jet planes, that's quite I a bit. Wish. You rest. I rest. Oh, I need to hear I, about that. That self-care, that rest. Well, that is so important. Yes. Well, tell me a little bit about, I'd love to hear what brought you to Utah. Mm-hmm. And then I want to circle back and understand like how you find time <laughs> for rest with all that you do. Well, quite frankly, the Utah Black Chamber is what brought me here. I was very familiar with, with Utah because my brother has been here for over 30 years. Mm-hmm. And so it's a place that I have always loved and enjoyed. I would call it my place of peace and respite. Mm -hmm. I literally would come to Utah and do nothing. Nice. Absolutely nothing. It's that rest part, right? Um, And so ran across the book Black Utah on LinkedIn. And of course that caught my attention. I've been coming here for a while and I know that there's really not a large number of black people Mm -hmm. in the state of Utah. And I just thought, 
that's an interesting subject for for Utah, and then discovered that it was actually uh, done by the Utah Black Chamber of Commerce. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, how clever. That is such a great idea. And so I purchased the book, and a couple days later on LinkedIn, there was this whole thread of communications that no one could find the book. Oh. Well, I found it. Well, I'm a professional online shopper, if I can add that part. (laughs) And so I dropped the link in where I found the book. And the founder of the Black Chamber reached out to me on LinkedIn, sent an invite for us to connect. And as soon as we connected, he sent me a message and said, thank you so much for the support. But could you take the link out of the comments? Because that's the wrong version of the book. That's why we had not responded. That was my response. I was like, oh, "Oh, okay." And so we started a conversation and I really started doing my research because I was so intrigued by, number one, Utah having a black chamber of commerce Mm -hmm. and looking at the success um, of this chamber. I come from a state that has 10 black chambers of commerce. Louisiana, right? Louisiana. And I'm looking at the progress and the impact that's being made here. And I'm thinking, well, there's some things we can learn. Mm -hmm. And I came across an article about James talking about stepping away from the chamber. And I thought... James Jackson. James Jackson. And how how would you build something this great and and now want to step away. Well, I spent many years in Washington, D.C., so I don't believe all the media and the news. So mm-hmm. I wanted to know. So I messaged him, put the link into the article and say, hey, you know, I, I'm really impressed by the work you all have been doing and, you know, looking for strategies and things to improve things here. But I came across this article. You know, is this true? Are you stepping away? Are you looking for a new leader? And he said, yes. Are you interested? that wasn't the response I was expecting. And so I literally didn't respond immediately. It's like, okay, I'm not sure of what that means. And so I really started thinking about it. And I said, you know, well, I'll have a conversation. Let's have a conversation. We scheduled a Zoom, we had the conversation, and he said, I really would like for you to talk to my executive committee of my board. And interestingly enough, got the invitation to come out to meet the board uh, and learn more about the chamber, had a dinner that night. And my husband says, did you like, did you get the job? And I said, well, you know, I'm not sure. I don't, I don't know. He said, because everyone's saying congratulations. Oh. And so what was very interesting is that as we're going through dinner and, you know, after dinner is over and the board president is talking and now we're going to do uh, photos with our new president and CEO. Well, that's one way to get offered a job. And so I said, well, I wasn't aware. And everyone looked at James and James said, oh, I forgot. I, I forgot to tell her. I forgot to tell her and I, I know she's accepted. <laughs> like we, you know, we, we didn't know. And so, so that, I mean, and it was, it was really about three or four years ago, I really started thinking about what my encore career would be mm. and started mm-hmm. readying my mm-hmm. business for an exit. Yeah. Um, but didn't quite put a pin in, okay, here's what I'm going to do. Here's where I'm going. Yeah. Uh, but I knew it had to be something that really, 
aligned with my why and just why I exist. Why do I do what I do? Um, and so this was it. This is it. I think it's interesting. Um, I mean, the whole thing is, you know, we do things different in Utah, just all the way yeah. outside. But I've never heard of a job offer or acceptance in quite that regard. But I'm so grateful. I am truly, truly grateful to have your talents and gifts here. Um, I do want to ask you, though, more about the why. And what I'd love to hear a little bit is, you know that we do a lot with young women, juniors and seniors in high school, college age women. How, what advice do you have for young women in coming to a place to define their why and to use that as their North Star? Not that you have to have everything planned out for mm -hmm. your school and your career. There are pivots and turns, but staying true to your core and your why, what advice would you have for those young women? To understand your value. Mm. Because our society ascribes a value based on a lot of things, whether you're a woman, whether you're black, whether you're blonde, whether you're from the North, whether you're from the South. And we typically uh, don't start having those conversations or understanding the significance of understanding it until we are adults. And then we're, we struggle and we are challenged by it. And I think that we have to have those conversations much early on. Because many of the challenges that young people have, it's really related and you can map it back to their sense of value about self. And understanding that, that can help you truly get to your why. And those are the conversations we have to have, but as mentors, we have to model it. So true. I think that what came to my mind while you were speaking was about when I was a young woman, 17, 18, I don't think I articulated, I didn't outwardly say to myself or to others, this is my why, this is what drives me, these mm -hmm. are my core values, not until much later in my career. Yes. When I look back, I actually did have those elements present. Yes. I think it would have served me better if someone would have said to me when I was 17, hey, let's talk about your why. Let's yes. talk about why these things are important to you and I think it would have helped me in my 20s and early 30s yes. a little. That trajectory might have been a little smoother yeah. for sure. Do you feel like there was um, a family member or a close friend who was strongly influential in you helping to identify and articulate your, your why? Absolutely. Um, I'm from the South, uh, was raised in a single family home. Um, but my mother and her sister uh, were the matriarchs of our family. And so I watched them. They were educators and business owners. They were entrepreneurs. Mm. And so that was very different. Um, I literally was charged with the responsibility of the business at seven years old. Hmm. No training. No, no not instructions, a lot, not a lot of training at seven. no job description, just utilizing my knowledge and my skills. I was responsible for counting money, accounting for the dollars. We we owned nightclubs mm. and I was responsible for the dollars in the jukeboxes. I still have the keys. Oh, wow. And so at seven years old, I'm going in. My mother and my aunt are doing all of the inventory and all of that. I am opening the jukebox. I'm dumping the money on the table. I am counting, wrapping, uh -huh. accounting for it. 
and then making out the bank deposit slips. And on Mondays, because we only did that on Saturdays, and on Mondays, I would go to the bank. I paid myself. I had my little bank book. And I had to do the calculations to understand my 10% mm -hmm. of what I got from those. They never checked my math. What an incredible life lesson. I mean, the entrepreneurialism, the finance, the independence, the, the, the comfortable nature of a young woman with money. Yes. Uh, I love that. And tell me your mom's name. Inez. Inez. Mm -hmm. And you're wearing her fabulous dress. Yes. Isn't that amazing? Yes. You just feel yes. empowered like it's like a I mean, I, I, I do. And so many people in our community really looked up to her. Yeah. Um, and so I wear it with pride and honor. But the fact that she could wear this at her age and was proud about it. Yeah. Uh, was absolutely like a superhero. Outfit. Yes. Yes. Your superhero. Yeah. Yeah. We used to tease her like, how many cows are in, you know, are, yeah. are in that dress? Yeah. yeah well, yeah. it's fabulous. So tell me a little bit more now that you've been here. You've gained somewhat of a landscape of Utah, mm -hmm. both figuratively, literally. Yes. Um, tell me a little bit about, you mentioned earlier the black population, correct me if I'm wrong, we're just under about 3% of our population identifies as black. One and a half. Down to one and a half. Yes. Talk to me what yes. that is like to be a black woman in Utah and how do we get our community to understand the, the beauty and value of diverse perspectives and how do we get more diverse perspectives in leadership roles? We have to do more things like what we're doing. We have to be in close proximity of each other to understand, to hear, to listen, to empathize. It's, it's really challenging um, to hate in close proximity. It's mm. easy from a distance. But as you get to know people and understand their why, mm -hmm. we understand quickly that we do have many commonalities and our experiences may be different, but when we understand the why, we begin to appreciate. And if we don't appreciate it, we tend to respect it. And we all want to be respected. We all want to be valued. That's really what we all want. And so I say, if we start there, because we all really want the same thing, there's so much we can accomplish with that mindset. And so I, I was asked a question, um, well, well, do you feel uncomfortable, you know, being the only black woman in the room or the only black person mm -hmm. in the space? And my question, should I? Should I feel uncomfortable? Is there a reason? Is there something I don't know? You know, let, let's talk about that. Yeah, yeah. Because it's like, it's put on me, it's put up on me. Yeah. yeah. And I, I have grown past uh, being uncomfortable for others' comfort. I love that. When I read your bio um, and your background, there were so many elements that were, are very different. I've only visited Louisiana. I love it, been there yes. a few times, but just different things. But there were also what you just said, I immediately gravitated towards some things that were aligned and similar mm -hmm. to exactly what you're saying, getting close to someone, knowing, having this, I, I'm an entrepreneur. I love yes. social entrepreneurialism. I love youth development. Yes. I'm a woman of faith. 
Yes. I appreciate education and find that as a high value to me. So when I read through your bio, even though you had different experiences, yes. those There's so much elements, alignment. So much alignment. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, I think that one of the things that I'm also curious about as you've gotten settled, what do you mm -hmm. see in the future for our community? Coming in as someone from the outside, you're looking at yeah. our economic challenges or our political challenges or our social challenges. Is there, is there something that you see as a challenge or an opportunity coming in from out of state that maybe we don't see as we live it and breathe it every day? Well, I'll say this. I believe challenges are opportunities. Yeah. It's just based on how we approach it. I, I really don't step away from problems. I, I kind of run towards them because I believe there are solutions beyond that, mm -hmm. right? And as we are lifting, we become stronger. And so what I see, and I said this um, earlier today on the panel at the Diversity Summit, that I'm offended by the narrative about the state of Utah. It was earned, but it's old. It's not accurate. We have a lot of work to do and there's a journey ahead, but there's a lot of great work going on here in this state. I believe that the state of Utah can lead the nation on what diversity, equity, and inclusion looks like. I truly believe that because for, for, for many, um, we look at numbers, but it's not the number. It's truly the work mm. that we put in, right? Yeah. And we, we've seen it happen before. I mean, we've missed opportunities in, these sta in the state because we've been looked at based on the data. The data is critically important, but you have a thriving black community here. Mm -hmm. And they're here because they want to be here. Now, do we have issues around retention? Absolutely. But as you are a partner with, with the Black Chamber, we're working together to address that. We're collaboratively addressing what that looks like for organizations to attract and retain diverse Stay here. yeah and and so and we can do it but we are doing it but what i challenge us in doing we have to change that narrative we have to elevate the work that we are actually doing no one's going to do it for us people love to say oh my gosh there are no black people in utah oh my gosh it's it's white it's male it's misogynist all of those things yeah. As I said, rightly so earned, but it's very different now. We are doing the work and we have to elevate the work that we're doing. We have to change the narrative. And so that's what drew me here. Mm -hmm. That's why I'm here. That's why I'm committed to the work. Um, and having partners uh, to work in this together and as we continue to get closer to understand, we understand how we can work through this together. Well, you can see right there, this is definitely not the last that we are going to hear of Sydney Shorter. I, I anticipate you, I mean, I don't even, I can't even keep up with your schedule. <laughs> I see you all over social media. I hear where you're going and we needed um, an earth shaker here. Wow. We need a bold, strong, powerful uh, woman to join our ranks and to keep pushing us and pushing the envelope. So thank you for for moving to Utah. Thank you. For giving us your gifts. And I hope that I can support and be a partner 
um, with you in any way that I possibly can. Absolutely. So. Thank you for the opportunity. My pleasure. Well, thank you for joining us today for the We Hear Her podcast, and we'll catch you next time. Thank you for taking the time to hear her. Join our efforts and learn more about women who succeed at womenwhosucceed.org. A big thank you to our sponsor, the Clark and Christine Ivory Foundation.